Hey, hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast. What the hell is it? October? No, October. No, August. Good Lord. August the 9th, 2022. This is the day that we uh, dropped the bomb on Nagasaki. This is the anniversary of that, so I should remember that. Welcome to the program. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. And uh, don't forget about uh, the contest. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. And at DerekHunter.Locals.com, whichever you prefer for members only, to uh, win either a signed book from Greg Gutfeld or Kurt Schlichter. Your choice. Very simple rules. You see the post there with it. You see the pictures of the books and the autographs. And you write in the comment section which one you want. That's it. If your name is drawn by one of my children or me if they're not around, uh, you get it. Period. End of story everybody's not a winner, but uh, everybody feels like a winner because you're part of this growing program, and I appreciate the hell out of it. All right, I just I want to wrap this up quickly so we can get to the show. But first, I'm going to insert a reaction here, a new reaction. I recorded the show earlier, and then tonight you get the news, the breaking news that Donald Trump's, uh, that Mar-a-Lago was raided. For reasons that are, I don't want to comment on, hopefully we'll know more by the morning, but as of now seem unclear, possibly related to documents, classified documents that the federal government says he took improperly or whatever. It seems as though if they wanted these documents, they could have had them. The FBI apparently has access to them. They're locked. They're secured. Whatever. Everybody's agenda seems to be uh, aided by this. Like I say, I'll I'll get into it more tomorrow. Now, if I have more, as I have more time to look into it, there's nothing more annoying than somebody talking about something they know literally nothing about. And while that's why I turned off cable news tonight because it's just morons who have no freaking clue what the hell they're talking about. Talking about it as though they are legal experts. Like some of them have radio hosts on who aren't lawyers. Oh yeah, okay, you're not a lawyer. You'd have no you have no idea what the purpose of it was. My initial take is they better have something really good. It better be something major to do something like this and actually have it dead to rights, not some BS um, thing to placate their radical base, but something really smoking gun that's not only still smoking but smoldering. Or it's going to be uh, the apt comparison is Sandy Berger. Not Hillary. Hillary Clinton's a good one. President Trump invoked Hillary Clinton destroying her servers and deleting emails and everything. But Sandy Berger, you remember Sandy Berger? I'll go more into this tomorrow. But Sandy Berger took classified documents from the National Archives that he was entitled to have access to as President Trump's National Security Advisor that made him and President Trump look like failures, like they dropped the ball on a terrorist attack. He took these documents, stuck them in his socks, all the originals. We have no idea what these documents say now. Berger's dead and the documents are destroyed. He stuck the documents in his socks and burned them when he got home. You can't say he did it by accident. He did it on purpose. Before he testified before the 9-11 Commission, he didn't want them to have this information. He didn't want to be held to account for it, whatever it was, and he didn't want President Clinton to be held to account for whatever it was. And so he destroyed them. 
His punishment was two years probation and a $50,000 fine, meaning his punishment was nothing. These were classified documents. Yes, he did have clearance and access to them legally, but he was forbidden, as is the way of the National Archives, from removing documents and especially of destroying them. He didn't accidentally, he wasn't playing with himself and, oh, they fell down his pant leg. He stuffed them in his socks and then he took them home and he burned them. Donald Trump did nothing of the sort. The federal government employees packed up the documents, shipped them to Mar-a-Lago. If they were shipped there improperly, then they could have requested them back. Their story was a couple of months ago, he had these documents. The FBI went down there, checked them out, made sure they were secure. They did not take them. If they were federal government property, they would have had every right to do so. So if that's the story, this is the biggest steaming pile of BS since Jill Biden did anything, really. We shall see. That's why I don't want to comment on it beyond that, because we just don't know yet. I'll know more tomorrow, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow. Now on with the already recorded program. There is a lot going on in the world today. There's a Good Lord, that strange disturbance in the force you feel is your money being set afire again. <laughs> it's just amazing. You can't, you shouldn't raise taxes in a recession. Oh, but we're not technically in a recession. Yes, we are. No, but not super technically. Not in the dictionary definition that we just rewrote. Oh, okay. So then you can raise taxes. All right. All right. That, that, I think, is why the Democrats spent so much time, burned so many calories, lying to the American public about how many, oh, we're not in a recession. Look, it's sure, yeah, two consecutive quarters of negative growth are traditionally called a recession. But no, not when things are going great in the job market. And you go, well, wait a second. Actually, the vast majority of the uh, so-called jobs, they, uh, a lot of people, more people left full-time employment than gained full-time employment in the last month. But, like, people took two second jobs and third jobs. Part-time jobs. And they go, hey, there's much rejoicing. Like, I don't know if that's a, a booming economy, but okay, if that's the unit of measure you want to use, let's just keep that in mind. But I don't think they really care. I think it's just about getting through this next election. It's getting through this piece of legislation. If Democrats actually believed in most of the things that they pushed and they thought that, uh, as they claim, if they thought that, they, as they claim, they would, uh, they wouldn't lie about it. This is the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, when the Senate passed it, what were the headlines? Democrats have pushed forth a piece of legislation that will do the most to combat climate change of anything ever. Now, was it billed as a piece of legislation? To combat climate change? No, it wasn't. Why would Democrats bother with something like that? Why would why if if the American public was down with what's going on with the uh, climate change fight, and they're going, you know what? We really are all in favor of jacking up our taxes. And hey, let's hire, um, let's hire a whole bunch of IRS agents to go after everybody. Let's do this. And then you say, well, wait, why didn't you? If, if the American public are down with you, if the American public support what you're pushing, support what you want, support if they 
are like what you say, then why wouldn't you be out there saying, you know what, this this is a great green uh, piece of legislation. This is wonderful. This is awesome. This is it's not. Why would they do something like that? It's almost like they don't believe actually that they know that the American people are not, in fact, with them on these things. So they have to couch it as something else. You don't have to lie about things that are popular. You don't have to lie about things that are uh, the people want, right? <laughs> but they do. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because they're they're full of it. It's because this is about payoffs to their donors. This is about payoffs to their base. This money goes to... If you give money to Democrats, if you've given money to Democrats over the past decade, there's a good chance you're going to get a sweetheart deal out of this. It's almost a trillion dollars. It'll end up being a trillion dollars when all is said and done. And again, if Democrats are so proud of what they're doing, they would have waited for the CBO score. There is no price attached to this bill other than what Chuck Schumer says it's going to be. And Chuck Schumer has proven himself to be wildly untrustworthy. So why is it that they didn't wait? Well, because the CBO score will likely show that inflation is not reduced by this piece of legislation. In fact, it's probably exacerbated. You really want to get down to it. These people don't know what they're doing most of the time. Actually, almost all. Well, they know what they're doing when they're doing something nefarious. Okay, In that sense, they know what they're doing. But in the general sense, they they don't know what they're doing. And they don't care. We had that woman on the Federal Reserve Board out of San Francisco saying that she didn't really care too much about inflation because she's rich and it doesn't impact her. You got Paul Krugman. Somehow he still has credibility with the left. He tweeted the other day, conversation overheard at supermarket meat counter, colon, customer, meat just keeps getting more expensive, butcher. Actually, prices have come down. Like, oh, okay, you get this from the White House, too. They've doubled prices, and then they've come back about 10%. And they want all the glory onto them for that 10% reduction. Okay, well, what about the other 90% that you caused to increase? How about that? Gas is about $4 a gallon. Gas is down significantly from its height. Well, congratulations, you suck slightly less. Like, I mean, what, what are we celebrating here? If this is your unit of measure, then every team making the playoffs should have a uh, a victory parade, shouldn't they? If that's how you're going to do it. But the Biden administration lives in this fantasy world, in this weird place. Joe Biden tweeted the other day, same day as Paul Krugman, oddly enough. That was uh, Friday. Quote, right now, a family in America with two cars is saving $100 a month on gas compared to peak prices. That's breathing room. And we're not letting up anytime soon. Now, I'm old enough to remember a few months ago when Democrats insisted and the media was right there with them going, hey, the president has no, no, no say, nothing over, uh, no power over gas prices. None whatsoever. 
So don't blame him for going. Now he's all glory unto him because gas prices have, have dropped. Gas prices have dropped because nobody was paying $5 a gallon. People, very few people were paying. People were buying less gas. People were traveling less. That was supply and demand in the market. The artificial increase in the price of crude oil because of the Biden administration's policies, uh, that was a bastardization of the market that caused the $5 gas. He wants credit? Oh, my goodness. We From the worst. The worst. The peak. Well, from the peak. Things are down from the peak. You want to measure everything against the peak? How about we measure it from the valley, Joe? How about we measure it from the valley when gas prices were under $2 a gallon when you took office before you started your uh, green policies? How about that one? Because from there, gas prices have still more than doubled. You don't get to take... Gas prices are up 150%. Well, now they're only up 100%. All glory unto me. That that dog don't hunt with me, Joe. That dog don't hunt with the American public. We see what you're doing or what you're trying to do. I get it. You're a politician. You're a scumbag politician. Well, you're handlers. You're just senile puppet master who likes the trappings of being president of the United States. But other than that... They're lying. They're lying. They're distracting. The Democrats can't be honest. Why would if you're so proud of this piece of legislation, Joe, why don't you out there touting all that it does? Why wouldn't you wait? You know, the ultimate spike of the football would be here's the CBO score. Told you so, losers. But if the CBO score comes after the fact, oh, by the way, it'll actually increase inflation. And it's already been signed into law. You know what difference that will make to Joe Biden or to any... Nothing. Nothing. Democrats' grip on power is so tenuous that they need to ram this thing through before anybody has a chance to find out what it'll actually do, before anybody has an actual chance to to read the damn thing. And if it comes back saying, oh, man, it won't do what we said it was going to do. Sorry about that. Will they get a do-over? No. But will they want a do-over? No, they don't. And sit there and say, he fooled Joe Manchin. He didn't fool Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin knew what he was doing. Joe Manchin fooled you. Joe Manchin fooled the people of West Virginia. Joe Manchin is evil, not stupid. There's a difference. He's an opportunist. He saw his opening. He went for it. They renamed a pile of steaming legislation that they'd already rejected as something having to do with inflation when it has nothing to do with inflation. They said, well, this is important. We may have to pass it. All the Democrats lining up going, okay, we'll pass it. We need to pass it. We have to pass this. They all wanted to pass the other piece of garbage before. They were just waiting on Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. They did it. They did it. They sold out. But they didn't really sell out. This is what they believe. This is who they are. They looked at the political landscape and they thought, well, it's probably now or never. It's probably now or never. They were hoping to maintain their power through other means, but just 
not looking so great for Democrats. So what did they do? They said, well, let's just do it anyway. Let's take, it's better to take our medicine, rip the Band-Aid off all at once, and have done with it. You got idiots like uh, Ben Cardin. Ben Cardin in the United States Senate represents the state of Maryland. The guy looks like a rejected Muppet prototype. Doesn't seem particularly bright, but that is how you have to be in Congress. You have to pretend to be an idiot. You you do. You just There are some of them who genuinely are stupid. I don't know where Cardin falls on it. I suspect I know, but you got to kind of do that, oh, shucks, we're just trying to do these sorts of things. And then every once in a while, a real peek at their character sneaks through. A real look at who they are and the contempt in which they hold you shines through. You go, whoa, where did that come from? Or they, they're, a little bit of their fascism is showing. And that's the Muppet. They had to pass this thing. Why? Because the Senate's going on vacation. If the American people had a chance to find out what was in this, they might oppose it. We got to do it quick. And now here's Ben Cardin. He's on television over the weekend talking about 87,000 new IRS agents. Now, I don't know that I necessarily believe that they're going to be those 87,000. There'll be some. But 87,000, I don't know. It's more of an accounting gimmick. I just don't think there are that many qualified people out there that they could hire to answer phones. But listen to Ben Cardin. It says at the end of this, as long as you obey, you don't have anything to worry about. And you should obey, 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 obey. Um, I'd like to see Ben Cardin's taxes submitted to three different accounting, five different accounting firms and watch him come up with five different results and then say, well, as long as you comply, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. By the way, most uh, freedom-loving countries don't have governments where the government officials tell you as long as you comply, you have nothing to worry about. Just saying. Listen to Senator Muppet. There, can you understand how 87,000 new IRS agents would scare the heck out of millions of Americans? Millions of Americans aren't going to be impacted by that other than getting better service from the IRS, having their telephone answered, getting the questions they need in order to comply with our tax laws. The auditing is going to be focused on those of high income, the large corporations, etc. So uh, there's no reason to be fearful. And if you have paid your taxes and if you comply with our laws, you should want to make sure everyone else does that. They have nothing to worry about. If you do, you're good, good German. You have nothing to worry about. Learn your place, peasant. Follow the laws. As best. You know, do you really think there are 87,000 people out there in a sewing circle who have any clue about the U.S. tax code? You're going to hire them? I have seen stories where journalists, back when journalism was a thing, would call up the IRS seeking advice, seeking answers on various issues regarding their taxes. And guess what? Just like you get different accountants getting different results, the different so-called experts gave different answers. That changed the outcome of the taxes. It's all, it's also confusing. It's not, these people don't know it. There's no human being who understands the tax code. There is no human being who can fully comply with the tax code. If they wanted to come after you, they come after you. It's that simple. They could, they easily could. 
So to have a United States senator saying, well, as long as you comply, don't worry about it. We're going after other people who don't comply. There's those people who get it wrong. No, you. we've already seen what Democrats do when they have control of the IRS. Lois Lerner, get her in there, and you target the uh, political opponents whom you don't like. But don't worry, you got nothing to worry about. You're going to comply, right? You're not going to speak up. You're not going to be too critical. Look, don't get on the radar of government, and then government will have no reason to target you. You don't poke the bear. You don't do things that displease your masters, and you won't get the whip. Essentially what Ben Cardin is saying there. It's essentially what Democrats are saying there. It's essentially what they all say. Obey. It's the ultimate word. Everything that Democrats want comes down to that. They get the power, and if you question it, you are the enemy. Obey. Conform. Obey. Do what you're told. Stop complaining about your lost rights. And when they get something, oh, you lost the right to an abortion. That, oh, that's so horrible. It's so horrible. No, the states still have the right for an abortion. They get to decide. The people get to decide. When Democrats take away rights, when Democrats force you to purchase something, for example, it's for your own good. Buy health care. It's for your own good. Well, I don't, I don't want it. Or I have enough money that I want to pay for it myself and the goods and services. I don't need it. You do it. You must conform. You must obey. If you do not, we will impose civil penalties. Well, once you get used to the civil penalties and they lose their bite, what comes next? Criminal penalties, of course. We're not close to that just yet, but uh, we're inching toward it. We're inching toward it, and it's not by accident. So Democrats need to ram this thing through before you really have any idea what's in it, before even the people writing it have any idea what's in it. Because why? Because if you found out, you might not obey. And I will say one of the the big differences between Democrats and Republicans is the vast majority, I don't know if, I can't say that. I'd say the vast majority of Democrats actually mean what they say. But then they don't. They mean what they campaign on, certainly. For the most part, you know, on socialism, they're going to push towards socialism. They campaign on such vagaries nowadays that uh, they don't want to really admit anything. But they, they, they want the march towards an authoritarian government. They're down with that. The Republicans, they don't. They don't campaign on what they believe in very often. Now, look, don't get me wrong. Any Republican is better than every Democrat. Uh, I just unmistakably, that's just universally true. That being said, if you look at uh, what Republicans have run on, we'll repeal it on Obamacare. Okay. You had the chance. You didn't do it. Now, Democrats ran on, we want to give you universal health care. We, we want a government takeover of the health care industry. What have they done? They, they took a huge, giant leap in that direction with Obamacare. They do what they say they're going to do, and Republicans sort of do it. And then McCain comes in and says no, and a bunch of Republican rhinos go, oh, thank God. I had to vote that way because I campaigned on it, but I did not really want to do that. Because they can't make it's Democrats use this 
phenomenon of Republicans to say that Republicans don't actually stand for it. They don't want to do anything. They're not, whatever, you hear this from Joe Biden, you hear this from Democrats now. What are Republicans for? What are Republicans for? And Republicans sit there and they do. They they get Kevin McCarthy, not exactly the most articulate uh, mouthpiece for conservatism the world has ever seen. And he says, oh, uh, we want to stop this and we're for... They can't message. They can't really boil it down to an articulate message. There was all sorts of talk, and they may may still try to do this, of getting together and trying to do another contract with America. Republicans have tried to go back to that well several times over the past 30 years, but they've usually failed at it. Not because the concept is bad. It's because they can't message. They have no freaking idea how to articulate what they theoretically believe in. Individual liberty, the concept of individual liberty, and coupled with that is, of course, responsibility, individual responsibility, as well as liberty, because you can't have liberty without responsibility. They can't message that. They say, well, do you want to just repeal Obamacare? Yes, yes, I do. Why? You'll be hurting people. No. And that's where Democrat, That's where Republicans run and hide and cower and go, oh, my God, they're going to say we're going to be hurting people. They're going to be, we're hurting people. We can't, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to, no. Um, you've already hurt people. Government dependence hurts people. Government dependence hurts people. It just does. Look at the places in this country where government dependence is at its peak, is at its highest. They are major cities, Democrat-controlled cities. How's that working out for people? How's that working out for people? Not good. Not good at all. Quite bad, as a matter of fact. So you sit there and you go, if you can't message that, what the hell are you doing? What do you stand for? Maybe you don't believe it. I don't know if some of these Republicans don't believe it or not. But if you can't message, look, we need to return power to the individual, return power to the states, and Democrats will come out. They always do this. They present the worst-case scenario as the norm and say, well, you're going to harm people, and people are going to blah, 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 and call them out on it. No, we won't. You're going to be able to trot out people who will, uh, yes, they not have a good day if we did this, but we're going to build in some precautions for them, some uh, some necessities to take care of the people who really genuinely can't take care of themselves. But the people who won't take care of themselves, no, to hell with that. You have no faith in the American public to know what is best for their families when it comes to their health care? No. People are responsible. People can make decisions. It's when you infantilize them and take those decisions away under the guise of they couldn't possibly, that they become lazy, complacent, and go, all right, well, I'll let them decide. And then in a few generations, the ability to decide is gone. The government is empowered, not by accident. It's not a byproduct. It is the product. Republicans have to be able to push back against that. Oh, we're going to negotiate for the price of prescription drugs. Great. Uh, what does that do? That's that's just essentially price controls. If you're the sole gatekeeper for access to 60 million senior citizens for your product, there's no negotiation. There's no negotiation. The mafia Don walks into your restaurant and says, I want $5,000 a week from you for protection. 
and you don't have five thousand dollars that's too much i can't do that all i can afford is is three thousand dollars a week it doesn't matter it's not going to go all right well that sounds fair then since i'm not really doing anything uh, no the order is what the order is you come up with it or you know we'll take a, pi- a piece of the insurance claim after we burn the place down Mafia knows how to message. <laughs> you would think that the Republicans would, too. Democrats have a whole bunch of Democrats, over 60 Democrats who looked at Obamacare and knew they were going to lose. Knew they were going to lose because of that. The polling was unambiguous, ironically, from the people who sit there and say this is what democracy looks like. The polling was unambiguous. The American people did not want it. And they said, we don't care. We're going to do it anyway. We want the government to have this power. And so they did it, knowing full well that they were going to be opening, you know, they're staring into their political graves, and they did it. They were all taken care of. The liberal establishment took care of them. They got jobs. They got money. They got pension. Whatever it was that they wanted, appointments to ambassadorships, whatever it was that they wanted, they got it. And they were taken care of. Republicans, uh, they don't do that sort of thing. Think of a Republican. I guess you could argue, in name only, that Liz Cheney is one of them. But there's a Republican who stand. You got to admire at least she believes this crap enough to destroy herself. But how many Republicans believe in limited government? Believe in liberty? Believe in the Constitution of the United States? That they would look at something that is wildly unpopular and say, "I don't care. This has to become. I vote for it." And you can vote me out. I'll vote for this and you can vote me out because this is the right thing to do constitutionally. I can't, they all talk a good game. I'll do this. We'll stand up. We'll fight. We'll repeal. We'll do and Then they don't do it. But you don't have the same level of commitment to the cause. Just like you get the, the left-wing establishment. They create things to lose money, but to advance their cause. Go to Netflix, go to any of the streaming services where, and you look at the documentaries. There's a documentary, there's like 15,000 documentaries out there about climate change. You think they any of them return to profit? <clears throat> no. But the rich guys behind them, they said, we won't believe this. Or we work in the solar industry and want these subsidies or whatever. Whatever the reason is, whatever their rationale is, they say, here, I'm going to make this movie about food and how the uh, farming industry is destroying the planet. Sit there and go, what the hell are you talking about? No, no, no. I believe this. I want this. Or I will profit from this endeavor, what have you. And they go forward with it. They push it. They push it. They push it. They dump a lot of money. You hear $3 million, go make a documentary. They're never going to see that money again. How many conservative documentaries do you see out there? None? Maybe one occasionally? They're made usually under the guise of some sort of, hey, uh, an anniversary is coming. They made the the documentary about Clarence Thomas. Okay, that's a good documentary about Clarence Thomas. And that's great. You, you shouldn't have to have a 
Supreme Court justice access to him and have him do his biography in order to make a documentary about somebody. There should be a doc. There should be fifty documentaries about Clarence Thomas out there. There should be fifty documentaries about Barry Goldwater, about any of the conservative icons you can think of. They don't make them. Actually, the left makes them about Ronald Reagan. What they do? Ronald Reagan hated the gays. And he refused to uh, spend any money on AIDS. That's patently false, but it doesn't matter. It becomes part of the narrative once it gets out there. The left is always beating the right to the punch. You wonder why we lose. You wonder why we can't message. You wonder why. Because everybody's like, I'm afraid to say anything because there might be consequences. Or if I invest in, if I put money towards this, will I ever see that money back again? You can make business decisions that way. But George Soros is out there driving truckloads of money to these prosecutors. Not because he's going to see a return on that investment. He's not going to see a return on that investment. It's because he's committed to the cause. Who are the conservatives who are committed to the cause? Where are the big donor conservative activists who are committed to the cause? And they just go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep shoveling money onto this until I get my way. I'm going to set up a ch- charity organization that is designed to involve itself in prosecutor prosecutor elections and put more money into prosecutor prosecution and, and district attorney races than have ever been there before. Where's that? Where's the alternative? Where's the flip side to George Soros? Where is somebody with the money, and God knows they exist, they got the money, where they're out there and they say, you know what? I am going to do what George Soros did for prosecutors, but I'm going to do that for school boards. You really want to get into the future. You really want to have a a say in the future in the direction of this country. That's where you start. Start at the local level. Democrats are involved in the local level. Republicans aren't. Because you sit there and you go, where's the glory? Where's the, where, there's nothing tangible in there. I put somebody in the House of Representatives and they'll give a, a stirring speech about what's going on in the education system in this country and it'll go viral and it'll be awesome. Like, yeah, okay, great. What does that do? You got a 10-member school board and eight of them are left-wingers. A really good speech a couple of thousand miles away in Washington, D.C. isn't going to impact them. They don't care. And it's not just major cities. It is small towns. It is rural areas. It is conservative communities where you'd think, well, the school system here is safe. No, it's not. Because nobody's paying attention to it. You could have a 90% conservative county or city or whatever and then... Nobody runs for a school board. Nobody pays attention to the school board because nobody's got their eyes on the prize. And what happens? You lose ultimately because your kids are indoctrinated this. Suddenly, where's Billy coming up with this idea that he's Jane? What do you mean here are your pronouns? Shut up. Don't be ridiculous. Where did this stuff come from? It came from... Nobody fighting the fights that need to be fought. The big fights need to be fought. The little fights need to be fought. All of them need to be fought. Democrats understand that. Democrats fund that. Democrats prioritize that.
hiring 87,000 allegedly on paper IRS agents with this piece of legislation. Will Republicans come in if, best case scenario, Republicans come in and they get Congress this fall, fingers crossed, and then they hold Congress and they get the presidency in 2024? Will they then eliminate those 87,000 jobs? Will they undo the damage that this piece of legislation does? Do you think they will? Do you think they'll be talking about it? Probably not. I doubt it, as a matter of fact. Maybe if we get a strong conservative as president, then they will have campaigned on this and put pressure on Congress to do it, but left to its own devices. I don't think they will. I don't think President a, a President Trump returning would do it. I think a President Trump returning would be more celebratory about President Trump returning than anything else. Democrats are never going to stop. We can't. I don't know if Republicans realize that or not. Sadly, I don't think that too many of them do. And I don't think I can't think of a single Republican willing to sabotage their political career for the good of what they claim to support. Now, that's really sort of the problem. It should never be referred to as a political career. The Founding Fathers didn't foresee this because they saw citizen citizen uh, legislators. Congress was only in session three months a year. That was it. They had to go back to their lives. Now... They've got to work towards their pension. They've got, this is their job. This is what they they exist for. Some people grow up dreaming of pitching in the major leagues. Other people grow up dreaming of giving a speech on the floor of the United States Senate. Sadly, those are the people who should least be elected to any position from either party. Yet they're the ones who win more often than not. Since we're talking about this garbage bill and how they, you know, Orwellianly named it the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Bernie Sanders, right after it passed, they always you know start giving their speeches and everything. Bernie Sanders started giving a speech, and in that speech, he lets that this thing don't do anything about inflation. Now, if it doesn't do anything about inflation, why is Bernie Sanders voting for it? Because it it spends a whole bunch of money on things that Bernie Sanders wants. It gives money, gives our money, prints our money to give it to people Bernie Sanders wants to have more money. The environmentalist Nazis, the fascists out there, the communists, red is, uh, green is the new red. It's actually not all that new. But that's why Bernie Sanders is important. But I just want you to hear this. This bit here where it just casually kind of says, it won't really do anything for nominal for inflation, maybe. To illustrate just how much Democrats have been lying. I want to take a moment to say a few words about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that we are debating uh, this evening. And I say so-called, by the way, because according to the CBO and other economic organizations who have studied this bill, it will, in fact, have a minimal impact on inflation. Yeah, this is how it was sold to the American public. Yeah, it won't really have any impact on it. It won't really have any impact on it. The Wharton School of Business 
Uh, it won't really have any impact on it. Joe Biden says, well, there's uh, 16 Nobel economists who tell me that uh, this will be really great for inflation. Really? Are those the same 16 Nobel uh, economists who told you that inflation would be transitory? Is that is that those people, Joe? These people are full of it. They don't care. They don't even... They have such contempt for you, the public, the American people, the people who make this country work. You have such contempt for it that they don't even bother trying to hide it anymore. Just shut up. All right? We'll lie this thing across the finish line and then shut your mouth. We'll tell you. It's like stealing somebody's wallet and then showing them, calling them, video chatting. Look, I got your wallet. You're not going to get it back. I don't care. I just ripped you off, and I'm telling you. But don't worry. Next time, I totally won't rip you off. What? Yeah, no, it's 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 a bizarre thing. Bernie doesn't care, though. Bernie is from Vermont. Bernie won't face any consequences. And Joe Manchin isn't up this year. And neither is Kirsten Cinema. She's not up this year. So anybody who would be potentially damaged by voting for this thing and lying about it is insulated. And sadly, we will have moved on to 5,000 different controversies between now and the next time there's a chance to hold these people accountable. It's just the way the world works. And they will have gotten away with it yet again. They will get away with it every single time. You sit there and you sit there and you, you try to convince young people to say, you gotta, you got to get involved. you got to get involved. you got to get involved. But when the... The people in power are doing this. You sit there and you, this is where the what difference does it make mentality comes from. There's no, there's no consequences for a Bernie Sanders. There's no consequences for a Bernie Sanders. The, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the MSNBCs, the CNNs of the world tried to blame Tucker Carlson for a mass shooting in New York, in Buffalo. Right. They tried to. Now, there's no proof that the monster who did it ever watched Tucker. Nothing doesn't even matter. But it doesn't. They said, oh, it's because of this. This is why this guy did it. And Tucker says this, so on and so forth. Bernie Sanders had a super fan try to kill all Republicans on a baseball field a couple years ago. He was a super viewer, super fan of Rachel Maddow, too. Were there any consequences for that? Were there any think pieces about what is it that these people did and said that caused James Hodgkinson to lose his mind and try to kill? There's none of that. There was no this is dangerous rhetoric coming from Rachel Maddow pieces. There just wasn't. They didn't care. The only thing they actually cared about is that Hodgkinson failed in killing any Republicans. Yes, he nearly killed Steve Scalise, but yeah, now he walks with a limp, but that's it. The lasting impact from James Hodgkinson was nothing. And so they just go on and pretend like it never even happened. But Tucker is responsible for what happened in Buffalo. You, your politics are responsible. You need to have the FBI look into you if you have a Gadsden flag on your car. That is a sign of a violent extremist enjoying the country. A Betsy Ross flag is now considered to be a sign of extremism from our federal government. The FBI has declared it to be. 
How insane are we? You can literally walk around with a black Antifa flag and a bag full of Molotov cocktails trying to kill police officers, and you will not face the same scrutiny as somebody who uh, shows up to a school board meeting and opposes the indoctrination of children in critical race theory or in bizarre made-up gender theory. Where does that come from? comes from the top. The fish rots from the head. These people are everywhere. Bernie Sanders gets to set the rules. Bernie Sanders doesn't follow the rules. Bernie Sanders would never set a rule that he'd have to live by. The guy is a socialist who owns three mansions. He's worth millions of dollars. I bet you dollars to donuts that he's working on yet another book, which is the way he gets his fortune working on another book to go out there and sell to his suckers. Like, oh, Bernie Sanders, he understands it. Twenty nine ninety nine for this book? Absolutely beautiful, brilliant. People sit around and talk about how Joe Biden is really for the work. He's just a middle-class Joe. Well, middle class during Joe's career has gotten poorer relatively speaking, but Joe has gotten richer. If you had told me when I was a kid that being for the middle class was the key to getting to be worth tens of millions of dollars and having an oceanfront estate in Rehoboth Beach, I might have chosen a different career path. See, but Joe Biden was also one of the cheapest SOBs to ever work in government, to ever serve in government. When he was vice president, he did not donate much to charity. It was one, when he was a senator, he donated like less than 1% to charity. It was amazing how he gets to be uh, seen as some sort of hero when he really honestly, what he did and what he does is he's don't generous with other people's money. Here's a story from, uh, you have to go back, because now that he's president of the United States and now that he's worth millions, they, uh, they're giving some to charity because they got to pretend. But when it mattered, which is, means, which is to say when nobody was looking, he had nothing. He wanted nothing to do with it. ABC News from September 12th, 2008. Democratic vice presidential candidate Joe Biden and his wife gave an average of $369 a year to charity during the past decade, his tax record show. $369. That is, if it's non-leap year, that's $4 more per day. It's $1 a day plus $4. Democratic presidential nominees Barack Obama's campaign released 10 years worth of tax returns for Biden, Senator from Delaware, and his wife, Jill, a community college instructor. They're not referring to her as Dr. Jill. The Bidens reported earnings of $319,853 last year, including $71,000 in royalties for his memoir, Promises to Keep. The Bidens reported giving $995 in charitable donations last year, or about 0.3% of their income, and the highest amount in the past decade. That's the most they gave, 0.3%, less than $5 less than, you just take out a five and throw it on there. All right, well, let's make it an even thousand. Nope, it's not how it works. In 1999, 
they gave $120 to charity, about 0.1% of their yearly income. Over the decade, the Bidens reported a total of $369 in charitable donation donations, or 0.2% of their income. That's Joe Biden. He's very generous, middle-class Joe, with your money, with our money. But the rest of us, not so much. Weird how that works, isn't it? Now, let's see, he's making $1.6 million in 2021, and they gave 100,000. Yeah, they, they upped their charitable donations significantly when he became president. See? If you're really only a good person when you know people are looking, you're really the person you are when you don't think anybody is. That's Joe Biden. That's Democrats. So the Washington Post just admits on their head, their uh, front page today, it's right up at the top, Senate passes key climate health bill. It, it, not, not an inflation bill, not a big battle for inflation. Why isn't that the headline? Because it has nothing to do with fighting inflation. That's just cover. What's what's bothering people the most right now? Uh, food prices? All right, well, this is the uh, Food Price Reduction Act. What do you do in the Food Price Reduction Act? Well, we give hundreds of billions of dollars to our supporters. Huh. What is, how does that, that produce food? No, nope, just, just supporters. And right below the picture of Chuck Schumer pumping his fist. Yay, we did it. We passed this sweeping climate and health bill. It says, why the Inflation Reduction Act is no such thing. It's no such thing. And here's that story by Steve per Stephen Perlstein. One of the more enduring fallacies in forming discussion of the economy is that there are a couple of dials located in a vault somewhere in Washington that officials can turn this way or that to control unemployment output inflation, even the price of gasoline. Now, you'll love this. Democrats are in power and they're responsible for everything good and nothing bad. Republicans are in power and they're responsible for nothing good and everything bad. It's weird. Remember bro, Joe uh, or Barack Obama when he was president of the United States? Remember how it was all George Bush's fault? Eight years of an economy that never grew at 3%. First time ever, really, at least in modern history, that had happened. And what was the response? Well, we inherited the worst economy ever. We inherited the worst economy. And then things would go down and, and unemployment would go up. Well, we, it's because we inherited the worst economy ever. We, you ran on being able to fix the so-called worst economy ever. It's weird. You'd think at some point you would have a fix for that. At some point, do you not have to have some kind of responsibility for it? Turns out, if you're a Democrat, no, you never have to be responsible for anything. But what they did was blame Bush. And then when Trump won and things turn around thanks to Trump's policies, what did they do? They tried to claim credit for that. No, no, he inherited. He inherited a good economy. He inherited an economy that never grew, never really grew. See, so inherited that? He inherited, you know, pretty high unemployment. No, unemployment was coming down before that. Well, then was Barack Obama responsible for unemployment having gone up in that time? No, no, it's different. Being a liberal means having no responsibility whatsoever for anything anybody does, especially yourself. 
Being a Republican means you are responsible for anything anybody does if they can tangentially be connected to you. And that's it. Goes back to Todd Akin when he was running for the Senate in 2010 and he said that stupid thing about rape. It's incredibly stupid. And what happened? Every Republican had to answer for it. Or no, it was 2012. Every Republican had to answer for it. That's why Republicans didn't take the Senate then. How? Why? Why? Well, because the media insisted on it. Hey, Mitt Romney, what do you do? You condemn what Todd Akin said? Yes, I do. In unequivocal terms. All right. Next question. Hey, Mitt Romney, do you condemn what Todd Akin said? I just did. I already had. Okay, but do you condemn what Todd Akin said? Yeah. Uh, have you not been paying attention? Oh, wait, we're in a new city. It's the same reporters, but do you can now that we're in Des Moines, do you condemn what Todd Akin said? Now that we're in uh, Pittsburgh, do you condemn what Todd Akin said? That was it. Every Republican, no matter what they were running for, had to condemn what Todd Akin said. And they had to do so repeatedly. They were responsible for it. It was essentially, you know, one Republican spoke and all Republicans were responsible for it. Not a single Democrat is responsible for the things they say, let alone what other Democrats say. Democrats can say some of the craziest, most asinine, racist things you can possibly imagine. And there's no dogging of the media. Maybe at the White House press briefing, occasionally, Karen Jean-Pierre will be asked to come. Hey, do you agree with uh, Cory Bush that white people are evil? Uh, well, you know, I'm not going to really get into what somebody else said. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. That's good. Fair enough. Like, really? That's how it works? I'm sure somewhere in the halls of the United States Senate offices, there are still members of the press that have their little questions written out for when they run into certain senators. And like number four or five on the list, should they run into Mitt Romney? Be, Do you condemn what Todd Aiken said? Because that's how it works. Every time something, back to the post, every time something good happens, some politician inevitably steps forward to claim credit for having got the dials just right. And any time something bad happens, you can be sure the media and political opponents will blame officials for turning the dials to the wrong settings. That's what happened earlier this year when inflation began to take off and the president, Congress, and the Federal Reserve were criticized for overstimulating the economy in response to the pandemic. Yes, they just overstimulated. That was it. They over- Things were going so well, they overstimulated the economy. Not, you know, spent too much money that had nothing to do with stimulating the economy at all, but just printed up money and sent it out to people, shipped it out to people, sent everybody checks, which is what they did. But don't worry, it has nothing to do with inflation. It goes on to admit that this has nothing to do with inflation and it won't do anything about inflation and it doesn't matter because it doesn't It's past the Senate now. Democrats control the House of Representatives. Even if there's a COVID outbreak, Democrats can pass it because Nancy Pelosi had the forethought to impose proxy voting and absentee vote. You don't even have to show up. There are members of Congress who don't show up to work anymore. Do you know that while you've gone back to normal, most members of Congress have not? You still can't visit without permission 
the uh, offices of your member of Congress in Washington, D.C.? You can't. Unless, of course, you're with the Stephen Colbert show, then you get in the building and you can do whatever the hell you want and get arrested for it. And don't worry, the D.C. establishment will say, no, 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 we'll vouch for them. They're good. They're not Republicans. They're good. They're allowed to uh, exercise their constitutional rights. Not other people. Keep an eye out for dirty people wearing American flags. But everybody, these guys, these guys right here are good. In fact, David Trone, a member of the House of Representatives here in Maryland, his district office, he doesn't even live in his district anymore, his district offices are nowhere, they're not open. His whole staff works remotely. How long do you think they're going to keep this going? Well, they're going to keep it going as long as they can, as long as we let them. As long as we let them. The, the members of the House and the Senate, they love it. They're walking through the halls of Congress and the, the, uh, the subway from the Capitol building to their office buildings, and they don't have to worry about running into people who are... You know, constituents or maybe somebody who has a question for them that they don't somebody going to give them a hard time because of a vote they're they're living it up they'll face no consequences chuck schumer isn't going to be yelled at as a jerk in the halls of congress now he's good you can't get anywhere near him they're not going to change so they can, what's the point? Why not run a piece on the front page of the Washington Post why the Inflation Reduction Act is no such thing? Why not talk about, oh, they've passed the climate health bill. If you just saw the front page of the Washington Post, you might go, what the hell is this climate and health bill? I thought they were working on inflation. Yeah, You'd probably go, that's weird. I could have sworn they were working on inflation. They're not. They don't give a damn about that. They'd have to care about you to care about you they don't care about you they hire eighty-seven thousand new irs agents they can't put another dime towards the border patrol because that might stop some illegal alien from coming into the country we have cases of polio in this country for the first time in decades right cases of polio is coming back now children are regularly inoculated against polio thankfully so we don't have it. Polio had been eradicated for decades in the United States of America. Now it's back. People are catching it. Will it spread more? Who knows? How did it get back? Do you think that it just was sitting in a jar somewhere in, uh, I don't know, Wisconsin, and somebody opened it and took a big swig of polio? No. It marched across the southern border. Just like all the other diseases that we thought we'd eradicated and that empowered the, the fact that we had eradicated them, empowered all these left-wing kook moms out in Beverly Hills to go, I'm not going to get Thanton inoculated. I don't want to get, you know, I had dinner with Jenny McCarthy the other day and she tells me that thermosol in the vaccines causes autism. So I'm not going to have any... Uh, shots at all and then suddenly they got the measles and the the mumps and the this and the that and the other thing and all these diseases that we'd eradicated they're not floating around out in the atmosphere looking for somebody who's unvaccinated they have to come from a human being those human beings come from third world countries marching across our southern border 
bringing the diseases with them, where the diseases are commonplace, where vaccines are not. Hell, they're getting ready to drum. They're drumming people out of the military right now because they refuse to get the shot. They refuse to get the COVID shot. Can't even call it a vaccine anymore. They refuse to get the COVID shot. Why? Because it doesn't work, but it doesn't matter. You've got to get the shot. You're out. You're out. There are people, 19 years of service in the military, being drummed out, losing their pensions. Why? Because they refuse to get the shot. Illegal alien marches across the border in a Congo line caravan. They're greeted as heroes, not forced to take a shot, but given a uh, train ticket, a plane ticket, a bus ticket, whatever. It doesn't matter. They are treated as conquering heroes. Well, they got the conquering part right. Why? Well, because, yeah, because, because that's what Democrats want. That's the way Democrats want things. You're an American. Shut up, pay your taxes, obey. Let us bring in more people. Oh, you're not allowed. That's replacement theory. Yeah, that's kind of what Democrats have been saying forever. So, you know, I just took them at their word. We just took them at their word. And now you got the mayor of... It's kind of funny because... I didn't think this was going to have much of an impact, but it couldn't have gone better. When Greg Abbott announced that he was going to start busing illegal aliens up to New York, Washington, D.C., I thought this is a publicity stunt. This isn't going to do anything. And then he started doing it. And what happened? Muriel Bowser, the mayor of of Washington, D.C., going, oh, they're saddling our social services with so much that we need help from the federal government. We need the National Guard. We need somebody to stop Greg Abbott from sending people from Texas to here. And now this from New York, Fox News, New York City Mayor Eric Adams blasted Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Sunday after a second bus full of illegal immigrants arrived at his doorstep. That's two buses, two buses. And he's saying, oh, my God, no, this has to stop. Adams gave a news conference on Sunday morning at the Port Authority where he greeted an incoming bus of around 40 migrants, only 14 of whom disembarked in the Big Apple. Quote, this is horrific when you think about what the governor is doing, Adams said, noting that many of the arriving families did not realize they were coming to New York City. Tough. Don't care. Quote, we're finding that some of these families were on the bus that wanted to go to other locations, and they were not allowed to do so, the mayor said. They were focused on the bus, uh, they were forced on the bus with the understanding that they were going to other locations that they wanted to go to, and they tried to explain they were not allowed to do so. Not the most articulate man in the world. But am I supposed to give a damn? New York City is a sanctuary city, proudly a sanctuary city, to hear the mayor of New York talk about it. He said last year while running for office that New York is and shall remain a proud sanctuary city. Well, welcome to sanctuary, dude. This is what you get. He's complaining about how much it's costing to care for these illegal aliens and that some of the homeless shelters are being crowded. Just like in Washington, D.C., the homeless shelters are being crowded out. 
crowded up with uh, with illegal aliens, and that's making it difficult to uh, get Americans in there. Well, how do you think it is on the southern border? See, it's really easy to support policies that you never have to really be impacted by. In New York, oh, I support this uh, sanctuary business, and you should. We should have an open border. We, who are they? Texas complaining about this? Shut up, Texas. Oh, well, Texas is dealing with you know, I don't know, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand illegal aliens a month. You've had to deal with two busloads of forty, and you're crying like a little girl with a skinned knee, Mayor Adams. Mayor Bowser, you're crying as though somebody stole from you because you have to redirect resources that you'd rather use somewhere else towards dealing with illegal aliens. Now imagine what it's like in San Antonio. Imagine what it's like where the illegal alien population is being overrun. Is overrunning the American population. And forgive me if I hear your cries and uh, laugh, quite frankly, laugh. You can't help but laugh. You're getting what you deserve. This is what you wanted. You just wanted it for somebody else. You just wanted it for somebody else. That's not how it works. It's your medicine. Sooner or later, you got to take your medicine. That it's a spiky suppository isn't my fault. It's your medicine. You're the one who designed it. You're the one who created it. You're the one who wanted this for everybody else. Don't give me this NIMBY stuff. If you want to come out against illegal immigration and getting a handle on illegal immigration, I'm all for it. I'll welcome you to the party. But until then, tough. You expect me to care? I never, ever will. Let us shift gears here to talk a little bit about the war in Ukraine. Vladimir Zelensky the leader of uh, Ukraine. What do you know about him? You know that he's a former comedian who is uh, now the president of Ukraine. That's it. That's all you know. What do you know about Ukraine? Ukraine is perhaps the most important country on the face of the earth. A wonderful place filled with amazing people. And uh, that's it. You don't know anything about the corruption. It's. I swear to God, if you told me that Vladimir Putin and Zelensky, they got together and said, you know what, we need to uh, milk the United States for all the money it's worth. And they cooked up this plan. I would, I would believe you, this, this invasion. Because what are you seeing? There's an invasion. You know, there's a war in Ukraine. And what do you see from the war in Ukraine? You see B-roll that seems to be fed to American news outlets by, I'd assume, Ukrainian outlets. I'm not saying Russia didn't bomb Ukraine or anything like that, but Zelensky sure has a hell of a lot of time to meet with people for a guy leading his country in a, uh, a war for survival. Just put it that way. The latest celebrity was Jessica Chastain. You're sitting there going, just celebrity? What the hell? Jessica Chastain, yes, the actress. She was, uh, I guess she's most, I think she won an Oscar for something, but I don't remember what it was. She's most famous for uh, playing the lead in Zero Dark Thirty. Good-looking, red-headed woman. Um, as liberal as the day is long. 
And she's over there in Ukraine meeting with Zelensky. And he's sitting there going, why? 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 If this is so damned important, what's going on in Ukraine, how does this guy have this time to do this? Because it's not come in, grip and grin, photo, get out. He sits down and talks to them. Ben Stiller was over there. Ben, what the hell does Ben Stiller have to do with anything? Ben Stiller has nothing to do with anything. He marches into the presidential palace. Oh, it's a, you're a comedian. I'm a comedian. Ah, blah, blah, blah. And what in the hell is, how do you have the time to do this? The first lady of Ukraine broke her silence, finally, they said. And uh, the, the two of them were subject to a Vanity Fair photo shoot. They flew over Annie Leibovitz over there. They found some ruins to get their picture taken near. And, and it was like, it's the best thing that ever happened to Zelensky. It's a weird circumstance. It's a weird world in which we live where this guy courageously leading his country against a tyrannical power much more powerful than them can find time to hang out with Sean Penn. I think you'd, you know, be a little bit too busy to hang out with Sean Penn. But you're not. You're not. Makes me uh, ask some questions. So anyway, CBS News put together a documentary called Arming Ukraine. Now, it's on their streaming service. Nobody's going to see it. It's not... It wasn't going anywhere, but they did put it out on social media. And one thing caught people's minds and caught people's attention, and it got millions of views on social media. And it was, well, this is what they originally deleted this. This is what it originally said. Quote, the new CBS reports documentary Arming Ukraine explores why much of the billions of dollars of military aid that the U.S. is sending to Ukraine doesn't make it to the front lines. Quote, like 30 percent of it reaches its final destination, end quote. 30, now we're sending tens of, it's got to be close to $100 billion. Now it's tens of billions of dollars, at least $50 billion that we have sent in aid to Ukraine. And that's just the United States. The rest of the world has been lining up, the rest of Western Europe has been lining up to send Ukraine whatever you got, whatever you need. We're here you go. Please take our money. It's so damned important. We must have it. With no accountability, no oversight, no real concern for any of it, Ukraine, before it became known as the most important country on the face of the earth, the linchpin for democracy around the world, before that it was known for its rampant and unbridled corruption. It wasn't as though there was some new wonderful person who came to office and exposed all the corruption, and all the corrupt people either went to prison or they uh, turned tail and ran to Switzerland or Russia or wherever they could go to get away from justice, and they're now going to hide the rest of their lives there. No, they're still there. All the people who were involved in the... They're still there. Oh, a couple of them might have gone... There's always going to be a show trial. There's always going to be a... We have thrown this person in jail. This person was corrupt. Like, okay, well, that's... One of, I don't know, uh, 10,000 people who are corrupt. So what do you do with the other 9,999? You going to do anything about them? No, they're going to stay in the same position. Why? Because, well, because why not? So I want to play you this clip 
from CBS News, and uh, you can decide for yourself. That's the point of news, or it should be. Here's the information you decide for yourself. That's what news is supposed to do. It doesn't anymore. I'll explain why when you get done hearing this. In the past two months, we've moved weapons and equipment to Ukraine at record speed. Drones, grenade launchers, machine guns. We're seeing this incredible historic flow of weapons coming into Ukraine. Do we have any sense as to where they're going? We don't know. There is really no information as to where they're going uh, at all. You know, all this stuff goes to the border, and then kind of like something happens, it kind of like you know, 30% maybe we just its find destination. 30%? Are you concerned about weapons getting in the wrong hands? I don't care at all whether that happens. Yeah, I don't care. They're, my job just to get them out the door. 30% are getting to where they're supposed to go. There is hemorrhaging. There is fraud. There is waste. I mean, for God's sakes, in this country, we have waste, fraud, and abuse that's rampant and stealing billions of dollars every single year. Did you really think a uh, corrupt country, country literally corrupt at its core, was going to somehow get their act together? No, absolutely not. Now, this caused Democrats, because this is their pet project. They want this. They need this it allows them to spend an ungodly sum of money. They get to tuck in a whole bunch of things domestically in the foreign aid package. They get to get, you know, they get to pay off their friends. Plus, you know, Joe Biden's family made a fortune out of Ukraine. Zelensky remained mostly silent. Remember, the reason Donald Trump was impeached the first time was a call to this guy. A call to this guy saying, hey, you know, we want to definitely going to continue aid for you, but it would be really helpful if you could find out anything you could about the corruption. That was, oh my God, how dare he say that? How dare he say that? This is a quid pro quo. It wasn't. wasn't even close. If you read the transcript, they weren't even talking about that at the time when Trump, or talking about the aid when Trump brought up the Biden family. But you also have Joe Biden years before saying, well, I told him you're not going to get this billion dollars if you don't do this, if you don't fire this prosecutor who happens to be looking into my son's businesses, not a business that uh, is paying my son a ton of money. Well, what do you know? A couple hours later, the guy was fired and we gave him the billion dollars in aid. That's perfectly cool. That sort of country out there, that's totally cool doing the bidding of Democrats. They're fine with it. So then uh, CBS News catches flack from the Biden administration, as you might imagine they would, and they turn tail and run. They tweeted out, we removed a tweet promoting our recent doc, Arming Ukraine, which quoted the founder of a nonprofit, Blue Yellow, Jonas Oman's assessment that in late April that only around 30% of aid was reaching the front lines in Ukraine. Since that time, Oman has delivered, uh, Oman's delivery has improved. Additionally, the U.S. military has confirmed that Defense Attaché Brigadier General Garrick M. Harmon arrived in Kiev in August for arms control and monitoring. In other words, they're saying the story was true. It's just that they've gotten slightly better. 
slightly better. It might be 40% now. The story was true, but it was from a few months ago. We might be up to 50% for all we know. The Biden administration didn't like it, and so we've deleted it. And they deleted it. That scene that you just heard is now no longer in the documentary. <laughs> the last tweet, we are updating our documentary to reflect this new information and air it at a later date. They pulled the whole damn thing. Don't worry. We will do the bidding of the state. The state says this isn't true. Our reporting says it is. But the state says it, well, Joe Biden, we love Joe Biden. Joe Biden wouldn't lie to us. It's not even that. They aren't sitting around rationalizing. Is Joe Biden lying to us? Do you think Joe Biden is lying to us? No. They're sitting around going, well, uh, this makes Biden upset. Let's just pull it. There's no point in upsetting the president of the United States. We're going to talk about working hand in glove. Being, you know, speaking truth to the powerful. It is absurd that they would pull the whole thing. We still have stories. The, uh, what was it? Even, who was, Jake Tapper today was tweeting about how Donald Trump doesn't have any respect for the military. From that garbage story from the Atlantic where he said he didn't want to go to uh, the D-Day Memorial because those guys died serving their country and they're suckers. Where everybody, that was from the Atlantic, Jeffrey Goldberg at the Atlantic wrote that story. Everybody involved in that story has come on record and said this didn't happen. That even people who hate Donald Trump came out and said, no, I was in the room. That didn't happen. That's not what went on. The Atlantic stood by the reporting, and today Jake Tapper is repeating essentially the same lie. The same lie. Why? Because why not? What's the, what is the consequence for getting wrong, for getting something wrong against a Republican? What is the consequence? You don't lose your job. You don't get anything. It's like, ah, what are you going to do? Now, if you get something wrong about a Democrat or you even do something right about a Democrat that they don't like, you get chastised from the White House and you get what? You get your bosses, your network saying, well, that, that was true when you filmed this, but now it's not true, maybe, probably. We don't know. We don't have any reason. But let's just pull it. It's making the White House mad. It's not worth having the White House mad at us. It was a virtue to get the White House mad at you. Before, Jim Acosta exists to the extent that he still exists, because in any merit-based world, Jim Acosta would be unemployed and hungry right now. But he exists because he made a complete ass out of himself trying to combat whoever was the press secretary at any given day or the president of the United States when he was up there. If you remember back to Jim Acosta's days, he was always competitive during the uh, COVID task force press briefings, always combative for the president of the United States, yelling matches, things like that. Do you remember him ever having any kind of a challenging question or any kind of attitude toward Fauci or Burks at those things? Do you ever even remember him asking either of those two a question at those things? No, he was up there expressly to get into a fight with Donald Trump because that is what CNN's masters wanted and they did it. They did it. So you see, see how that works? One little thing. It's a pretty big thing, but one little thing in a documentary on CBS and they go, well, I don't know, man. 
that's a little bit tough. We might not know. No, let's. All right. Well, we'll just pull it. Things have changed. Was it a lie when you did it? When you when that person said it, was it a lie? No. Well, then why are you pulling it? Well, because things have gotten better. Well, don't pull it. You could add in, I suppose, they say things have gotten better. But you don't pull it. Unless the truth is less important than sucking up to those in power. Which we all know the answer to that one. Uh, shift it up again a little bit, just to show you how fake the left-wing outrage machine really is. Senator Marco Rubio. Down on the floor of the Senate, as the Democrats line up giddy to get, oh, it's a climate change, I mean, this inflation bill. Yeah, this, this we need to do that. It's, it's the most important damn thing going on in the world. And it's not. It's because it doesn't inf it doesn't address inflation doesn't address what people actually care about, but uh, Senator Rubio does want to address some of the things that people actually care about, among them being the prosecutors who are out there refusing to prosecute crimes. Remember those guys? They're the George Soros funded... Well, George Soros. I said George Soros. You're not supposed to say George Soros. If you say George Soros, it's suddenly anti-Semitic because George Soros is about as Jewish as a ham sandwich. But he's Jewish nonetheless, and he'll milk that for all it's worth. And so you get all these leftists saying any criticism of George Soros, any pointing out of George Soros saying his prosecutors are being put in place by the help of George Soros's money. Well, that's just, that's just anti-Semitism. In fact, in a retweet of this, I'll play you the clip first, and I'll tell you what, who retweeted what and what they said about it. That was the claim by somebody, a famous, famous leftist freak of nature. But first of all, let's see what has gotten all of these leftists so upset. I don't think I need to tell anybody here. Our work is at its best when it's focused on what people care about. Let me tell you what people care about. They don't, they don't care as much about buying solar panels and electric cars as they do not having to live in a community where violent crime is rampant and you've got some crazy prosecutor that refuses to put people in jail, that refuses to prosecute entire categories of crime. People are worried about that and rightfully so and it's happening. We have these beautiful cities that were once world-class cities that have become unlivable all over this country because we have these lunatic prosecutors that have decided they're not going to, the entire categories of crime they will not prosecute. That's the kind of stuff we should be working on here tonight, all night long. You're going to spend all night working on something, work on that. Don't waste time on stuff that doesn't matter to real people working every single day who are not going to be driving an electric car next year or the year after that, but they might get mugged, but they might be a victim of a violent crime. And so what this does is it sends to the Judiciary Committee and asks them, in three days, come back with some ideas about how you can spend just a little bit of these billions of dollars that we're throwing away on this garbage, how we can spend a little bit of that money to put criminals in jail so Americans no longer have to live in fear in their communities. All right. Amen, right? Can I get an amen? Hell yes. Now, Marco Rubio tweeted that out saying, quote, the Democrats just blocked my effort to try and force Soros-backed prosecutors to put dangerous criminals in jail. Democrats blocked it. An amendment was offered. They said, no, we don't want your amendment. We like American people suffering. Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation for Teachers, a Democrat proxy machine, if there ever was one, 
funneling your tax dollars to Democrats, forced union membership, and then they take the dues and do politics with them. She tweeted that Marco Rubio tweet out. She retweeted it. The Soros-backed prosecutors saying this, quote, this is how how anti-Semitism takes root and spreads. What is a Soros-backed prosecutor? Soros is a Hungarian Jew who survived the Holocaust. Orban, the authoritarian leader of Hungary, demonizes Soros all the time in Orban's culture war to suppress freedom and democracy. And she does another tweet. And Marco Rubio does this smear on Tisha Ba'av. I don't know, Tisha, T-I-S-H-A, and then B, apostrophe, A-V. A Jewish fast day where many Jews fast in remembrance of the destruction of the temple destroyed due to hatred of Jews. How dare he do this? What? Okay. Well, it's really kind of pathetic that Randy Weingarten would do this, but not all that surprising. Why would, why would Marco Rubio spew such horrible anti-Semitism? Might it be because George Soros himself has funded these prosecutors? And might it be that George Soros himself last week wrote an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal entitled Why I Support Reform Prosecutors? Maybe that's why it came up. But the left doesn't care. The left doesn't care about reality. They refuse to be bound by it. That uh, George Soros can write, justice or safety, it's a false choice. They reinforce each other. And write, it's a very short op-ed. And write a piece explaining why it is that he's funding people like Chesa Boutin, who was just booted out in San Francisco, and Gascon out in Los Angeles, and all the other people, Philadelphia, Chicago, and this, that, and the other thing, St. Louis where all of these criminals are being let go. And he talks about how it's important. Our system, yet our system is rife with injustices, he says, that make us all less safe. The idea that we need to choose between justice and safety is false. They reinforce each other. If people trust the justice system, it will work. And if the system works, public safety will improve. Oh, yes, I was going to beat holy hell out of that old lady and take her purse, but now I recognize that the justice system does in fact work, and therefore I've decided not to beat the hell out of them. I will go get a job instead, said no one ever under any circumstances. We need to acknowledge, he writes, that black people in the U.S. are five times as likely to be sent to jail as white people. That is an injustice that undermines our democracy. Well, maybe just maybe you want to look into, George, I know you don't care, but the theoretical, George, why it is that crimes are committed at such a high rate by black people in this country, why it happens in places where Democrats control things in this country where they have 90% of the black vote. And maybe it has to do with people of your ilk, your political persuasion, George, telling them as children that they'll never get ahead. 
they can't get ahead. You sap out the humanity. You sap out the hope for the future. You sap out the joy in life. And you say, you're never going to get ahead. The system is rigged against you. Your skin color, you're never going to be able to cheese greater that off. You're just screwed forever. And you hear that. And then when you face setbacks that everybody faces, because everybody will face a setback at some point in their lives. They, instead of getting up and dusting themselves off and learning from that experience, they say what? They hear the, the teachers and the preachers and the politicians, the people who are supposed to try to inspire them to do better things in life. And you hear them and they say, well, maybe they were, maybe I didn't get that job because the system is rigged. What's the point in even trying anymore? And then what? You become a ward of the state? on welfare or you become you turn to criminal enterprises all right if the system is going to screw me screw that i'm going to go out there and get what's mine and then you end up with those people being on the pathway to brushes with the justice system george you're complaining about something your political philosophy causes your political philosophy not only causes, but creates the progressive mindset. The progressive left came up with Jim Crow, enforced Jim Crow, segregated the South, and made sure that blacks were second-class citizens. You fought against the end, the destruction of that. And then when you couldn't fight anymore, you said, now we're in favor. We want to destroy it. It must be destroyed. But we still need to keep the segregation. We still need to keep the racial hatred. We still need to keep the animosity. Democrats never changed anything except their tactics. Their ultimate objective is still the same, division to conquer. And if they have to ruin lives to do it, so be it. How many black lives have been ruined by Democrat policies? How many black lives have been improved by Democrat policies? And they're still imposing Democrat policies on black lives. Let that sink in. I just saw this. Centers for Disease, this is back from June 29th, but still. CDC, yes, children six months and older should get vaccinated against COVID-19, even if they've already had COVID-19. Getting vaccinated having after having COVID-19 provides added protection to their immune system. How? How do you? do that how do you, where what planet and uh political politimath retweeted that with the following quote fire these people this is uh unspeakably stupid on the part of the cdc that agency should be burned to the ground and twitter labeled that misleading that is misleading what's misleading they should be burned to the ground that's who they are i want to shift gears and talk about sport well <clears throat> Talk about the people who talk about sports, because there is no talking about sports anymore. <clears throat> if you if you watch ESPN, if you go to ESPN.com, you really it seems to be it's the Atlantic. It's the Atlantic magazine. Sometimes it's the Daily Cost, and every once in a while they throw in a score. Here's the score of the game was, and that's it. That's who they are. That's what they are. Sports journalism, to the extent that you can call it journalism, seems to be done by people who hate sports. I imagine it used to be like the people who played the game, but, you know, weren't that great. They couldn't make it. Maybe they did some in college, but that was it. They didn't get to minor league, whatever. Those are the people who went on to be, or they absolutely loved the game. 
Those are the people who went on to become sports reporters. Now it seems to be the fat kid who was picked last. The uncoordinated kid who trip over their own shoelaces that nobody wanted on their team and nobody liked anyway. Now they say, oh, I'm going to show those people. They picked me last. They were mean to me out on the playground. I am going to make their lives hell. Normally, an editor would have the job of saying, this is a, that's not how we conduct ourselves, okay? But that's not the case anymore. There is no, that's not how we conduct ourselves. They conduct themselves however they want. There is, you're an activist now. And that's it, period. So you end up with people like Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose was a member of the Fab Five. And he uh, went, I don't think he had a very good sports career, pro career. So he went on to become a commentator. Fab Five University of Michigan, they, they never won the national title as far as I remember. They came close and then Chris Weber called timeout with no timeouts left and screwed them out. They could have just easily have uh, taken a shot, would have stood a chance, but no. That's, that's my memory of the Fab Five. All promise, no delivery. Well, <clears throat> Jalen Rose is one of those guys. He is also a rabid left-winger. You kind of have to be if you want to be involved in ESPN. That's a prerequisite now. So he's out there, seemingly at a beach, and he decides he has a thought that the world needs to know. And it's that you need to stop saying, like, oh, who's your uh, Mount Rushmore of baseball players? Who is your Mount Rushmore of this, that, or the other thing? Comparisons to Mount Rushmore, in fact... Mount Rushmore itself, wildly racist, according to Jalen Rose. And it's something we have to remove from our discussions. It, now, the audio isn't great here. Let me apologize in advance. He's filming on his phone. I didn't do it. It's not because of the quality. This is the source material. This is how he put it out there. So the crappy audio as well as the crappy content are all from Jalen Rose. Why do you think Washington changed their name? from Redskins. I do a show and didn't say that word for eight years. And my co-host, David Jacoby, we both said they're going to change the name one day. Why? Because it's offensive. What about the Cleveland Indians? Same thing. Why did they change the name? Because it's offensive. So I want to continue to challenge myself and to challenge you to do something. Can we retire using Mount Rushmore? That should be offensive to all of us, especially Native Americans, indigenous people, who were the first people here before Christopher Columbus. That land was stolen for them when it was discovered that it contained gold. And 25 years later, to add insult to injury, four American presidents were put on what we call Mount Rushmore on the top of the dead bodies that is buried right underneath. So I call for you and for myself. I'm owning this too. Let's stop using the term Mount Rushmore when we're talking about our favorite rappers, talking about our favorite movies, we're talking about our favorite players. 
I know you're going to see this video, and I know you're going to take action. Oh, I know you're going to take action. Let's stop using Mount Rush because this land was stolen. Oh, it's so stolen. It was so stolen. Well, who was it stolen from? Who owned it? Where's the deed? Where's it? What? No, that's your... No, racism, racism, racism. I love how he's offended on behalf of other people who aren't really all that offended. The Redskins name, uh, there was no poll that showed any more than 5% support amongst Native Americans for changing the name of the Redskins. But liberals like Jalen Rose, I'm offended on behalf of people. That they're too stupid to be offended uh, is on them. I must be offended on their behalf. You sit there and you go, isn't that the height of condescending and douchebaggery? Yeah, but still. He's so upset on behalf of other people. Imagine having this kind of time on your hands. Imagine your job being sports-related, and you've got time to opine on this, and then you've got time to say, no, what don't talk about when you talk about stories. He's setting the example. He's throwing the gauntlet. And as other people who work at ESPN, then ever, if it ever comes up, they will stop doing it. ESPN, this is done. Why? Because Jalen Rose said we should stop doing it. There's no rational reason behind it. There's nobody who really gives a damn about this. But aside from left-wing activists offended on behalf of other people, the official offended, professional offended class, you imagine that kind of crap and working in an employer where they look at this thing and they say everybody looks at fear of this guy and says, okay, we can't, can't, can't talk about it anymore. Don't say anything about it. Don't tick off Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose has thrown the gauntlet. Okay. Learn your place. Shut your mouth. And I tell you earlier in the show that the left is about obedience obey learn your place obey do what you're told that's just how it is damn it obey there's another shining example of it don't do this now he's saying it like oh you know let's all get together and sing kumbaya and see if we can stop this no i guarantee you his co-host will never say it again nobody in his orbit will ever say it again nobody out of fear for what being called a racist when in reality, there's a high probability that Jalen Rose is probably the bigger racist. Just to be honest with you. Anyway, scum, scum, scum. We're out of time for today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be monitoring all the scum as it goes about the week. Thanks for listening. 